What does a person do in the face of the kind of evil we've been exposed to this week? What do we as a small Christian community do in the face of the kind of evil we've been exposed to this week? How does one respond? How do we respond? How do we live in the shadow of horror that has been cast over our community? There's a variety of possibilities depending on the personality of the person or community, the history, the context, the proximity to the evil. A person can be or we can be deeply, deeply brokenhearted. Perhaps uncontrollably angry. Deeply sad. Perhaps fearful. If this could happen in our Lawrence Park and in our Trinity Church community, even though it was many years ago, where could I ever be safe? Perhaps renewed, committed again to seek justice and to work harder so that such a thing could never again happen in our community. You might find yourself triggered if you've been a victim of abuse of any kind, reliving the agony, the pain, the disillusionment, the sense of helplessness and the abandonment of the past. This may even be the event for you that convinces you, finally, that Christianity, that Christians, that the church, anything connected to the Christian religion, or any religion at all for that matter, is nothing but hypocrisy, an empty show, a repository of evil, a place that so operates that this kind of evil can be present and grow. And as such, you may say, from today, from this week, I reject that. I walk away. Any one of these reactions is understandable and to a certain extent legitimate. I want to acknowledge these and any other reactions you may be having. It's perfectly understandable that your work, that your world might be deeply shaken this week. Perhaps you can identify with the words of Psalm 46, the earth gives way, the mountains are moved into the heart of the sea, the waters roar and foam, the mountains tremble at its swelling. Or perhaps you identify with the words of Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How do we take steps towards a sense of balance, a sense of perspective in these awful days in light of this awful story. 
I'm not going to give you a happy, clappy answer this morning. In fact, I'm not going to give you an answer at all. I'm not going to assure you that if you just read the Bible, believe, pray, work hard enough that everything's going to be all right. It's a fool's errand to try to put this kind of evil in a box, put a ribbon about it, and go on with our day or our lives as if we now understand and explain this and can just go on. There's no way to explain this. There's no answer that will neatly tie up the loose ends of this evil. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing we can say. The Apostle Paul was in prison, in the chains of the Roman Empire, in the first century of the Christian era after the death and resurrection of Jesus. The Roman Empire at that time certainly made its positive contributions to the world, contributions that continue to impact us today. But it was also a pretty evil empire. Patronage, slavery, abuse, unimaginable cruelty, suffering, armed force, death by crucifixion or at the hands, at the claws of animals in the, in the arena was everywhere. They used to say as you walked through Palestine and especially around Jerusalem, you saw crosses all over the place. It was an empire of racism, of sexism, of oppression, of militarism, of recklessly extravagant wealth and extreme abject poverty and despair. It was an empire filled with sexual promiscuity and abuse of every imaginable sort. It was an empire in which anyone who could take advantage of another did. The Apostle Paul looked that evil empire right in the face. And he dedicated himself to proclaiming another, the Greek word is evangel, message of good news. Another message than that evangel proclaimed by the Roman Empire, which was this, the emperor is the son of God. And he's bringing you peace. And because Paul looked empire in the face and proclaimed against it, he was persecuted, imprisoned, and killed. Here's what, or better said, who, Paul turned his gaze to in the evil of his day. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. You were not made by empire. You were not made and created by nothing. You were created.
And listen to this. In him, all things, and I take that all exactly literally, everything is held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. The beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He goes before us. We follow him. We don't follow the empire. We don't follow the emperor. We don't follow the multinationals. We don't follow the warmongers. We don't follow the rich or the smart. Follow Jesus. In him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. We've been talking about this for the whole last year from the Gospel of John. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. The light of the world, against whom the darkness could not prevail, full of grace and truth. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through this Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. That's no answer. It's the fundamental truth upon which Paul stood in that empire and in that prison, in those chains, surrounded by those guards. It was that truth upon which he stood as he faced the evil around him. That God is in Christ, reconciling to himself all things. Whether on heaven, in, on earth, or in heaven. And making peace by the blood of the cross. That Jesus, that image of God who came, who lived among us so many years ago, because he also spoke against empire in a different way than Paul did, but just as clearly and just as confrontationally was himself killed. And when he stretched his arms out on that cross, he took upon himself all the evil of the world, including the evil that we are experiencing right now. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it is finished. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Today we look evil in the face. We see eight-year-old Gretchen Harrington picked up one summer morning down this road on her way to Bible school by a trusted family friend. We are silent as we think of the fear she must have felt as she began to realize what was happening to her. We wonder at the tortured mind and heart of a man who proclaimed himself to be a man of God, but was capable of a horrific evil, hypocrisy, and duplicitousness, the likes of which probably none of us have ever heard of in our whole lives. 
and that he maintained for decades. We grieve with the young ladies of that time subjected to abuse in the house that's right behind this building. We think back on the community of that time, unable, perhaps unwilling, to recognize abuse and fight for the protection of the community, especially the young ones. We recognize that sometimes our Christian system is set up in such a way that this kind of evil can happen and it can be covered up. And we tremble. And then we look up and we see the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up The train of his robe fills the temple. Above him stand the seraphim. Each has six wings, and with two he covers his face, and with two he covers his feet, and with two he flies. And one calls to another and says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And like Isaiah the prophet, who tells of this day, this happened to him, We cry out, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Or as Frederick Buechner puts it, O God, I am done for. I am foul of mouth and member of a foul-mouthed race, With my own two eyes I have seen him. I'm a goner and sunk. Then says Bigner, one of the winged things touched Isaiah's mouth with fire and said, there, it will be all right now. And mystery itself said, who will it be? And with charred lips, Isaiah said, me. And mystery said, go. Mystery said, go give the deaf hell till you're blue in the face. And go show the blind heaven till you drop in your tracks because they'd sooner eat ground glass than swallow the bitter pill that puts roses in the cheeks and a gleam in the eyes. Go do it. And Isaiah said, do it until when? And mystery said, till hell freezes over. And mystery said, Do it till the cows come home. And that is what a prophet does for a living. And starting from the year that King Uzziah died, when Isaiah saw and heard all these things, he went out and did it. Dear people of God, we have seen unimaginable evil. We are here this morning to look up and see the Lord of hosts the Christ who has created all things and holds them together. We confess that we are people of unclean lips and hands. We receive the burning coal on our lips. We hear the words, your guilt is taken away. And then we hear the voice calling, 
Whom shall I send? Who will go? And with our charred lips, we answer, perhaps very softly, with a broken heart and trembling knees, not knowing how, what, or where. And we say, send me. Amen.